Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast. We join you following a match where, despite injuries, England have stormed to victory over the West Indies, winning by eight wickets. You're listening to following on. Joe Rood on 99. And that will be 100. That's his second 100 of this World Cup. It's been so precise and so classy. Well, welcome to Following On with myself, Andrew McKenna, and the former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. Let's start then, Harmy, by hearing from the England winning captain, Owen Morgan. Here he is speaking with Sky Sports after the match. First things first, how is it? Is it the back and how are you? Yeah, it is my back. Um, it, it's a bit sore at the moment. Hopefully it settles down over the next few days. Uh, I think it might be a back spasm. Um, and obviously on the injuries, uh, Jason Roy uh, potentially tweaked his hammy. It's a little bit stiff at the moment. And again, you'll go for a scan and see how we pull up over the next 48 hours. You're a vital part of this team. Have you ever had back complaints before is this serious yeah I've, I've had a lot of back spasms in the past um, it's it's a matter of you know 48 hours and see how it settles down it sometimes settles down a lot quicker than expected and sometimes they linger around so we'll just have to wait and see how it goes Jason is just as vital at the top of the order when will you find out more about him yeah again it'll probably be 24 to 48 hours um, you know everybody within a squad is so vital um, so we obviously don't want or need injuries throughout the tournament but inevitably there will be some um, so hopefully they're not too serious. Apart from the injuries, that was another clinical performance. You must be thrilled. Yeah, I think we've had a, a really good day at the office today. I thought, you know, winning the toss and, and taking advantage of conditions early, we, we didn't necessarily make inroads straight away, but the way the bowlers stuck to plans and what applied to that surface, I thought was outstanding. They continued to create chances right throughout that middle period. That's very difficult to take take opportunities. And I think as a, as a whole today, we, we were brilliant. You know, Joe has had an absolute day out. He again is such an important part of our team. Um, he's the glue that holds everything together. He's very reliable. He has an expansive game if he needs it. 
Um, but he's he's an awesome player to watch, and when people come and see him score 100, it's it's well worth the the, the money they pay for a ticket. Big day for Joffre Archer for obvious reasons. He seems to take everything in his stride, doesn't he? He does, um, and you know, like everybody within our bowling unit, he's a pleasure to captain. Uh, any challenge that seems to could be confronted with seems to overcome it. Uh, he's not flustered with anything, so long may that continue. You've had to leave out, because of Archer and Wood, you've had to leave out certain players that would have played. Plunkett at Trent Bridge would have been a solid bet. Uh, um, Mo Ali here would have been a solid bet. Are you comfortable moving away from the plans you've had in the past because these two are so good, Wood and Archer? Yeah, I think our plans have, have remained the same throughout. Um, obviously, the, the personnel have changed a little bit, but the plans have stayed the same. I think it, it falls back on execution of plans. If guys are executing better than the other, it's unfortunate that you have to leave guys out, but it is you know, part and parcel of hopefully contending at a World Cup. And I think you leave guys out that could potentially play a part. They will play an important role at some stage throughout the, the tournament. They know that. Well, Harvey, let's look at today's game, first of all, from an England point of view. Uh, comprehensive doesn't actually do that justice, really. The England were head and shoulders above the West Indies from start to finish. Yeah, they were, Macker. I thought um, everything went well for them. They won the toss. Decided on not bringing the second spinner back in, which was an interesting one because I thought the big boundaries, England liked to play two spinners at Southampton, but it was a big headache, big dilemma to which seamer to leave out. So the half 10 start, gloomy conditions, rain being around, probably did them a favour on selection, that reason. Um, and it was a good good choice because I thought Wokes, Archer and Wood, especially early doors, both fantastic. It set the tone and the West Indies weren't even at the races. They weren't, but England kept their pressure on all the way, start to finish. There were very few loose balls to be uh, put away, and they, they kept the pressure on. Um, it was a really disciplined performance, and obviously uh, three for, uh, for, uh, for your old mate Mark Wood, uh, three for 18, that takes him to 50 in one-day internationals. But you know already that all the headlines are going to be about Joffre Archer from a bowling performance once again. Uh, he's done it again, three for 30. He bowled beautifully. They both, they both did. But I thought the pleasing one for me, because I left him out this morning, um, talked about the, uh, the breakfast show yesterday morning, it was which one do you leave out? And that was Wokes, because economically he hasn't had a great, great start to the tournament. He's been off the pace against Pakistan. I think he's still coming back from that niggling knee injury. So I think I'd have punted for Plunkett over Wokes. But Wokes bowled beautifully. Again, he bowled fantastic. And when he bowls well at the start, England get off to great starts. And nine times out of ten win cricket matches because not only does he keep it tight, he gets a wicket or two in that first power play. And we've all seen, Macca, if you get wickets in the first ten overs, the difference between a 350 and a 300 score, and it's just that. And I thought he bowled excellent. I thought the three of them... In that early hour, hour and a half, I thought they were magnificent for England. And the, the bowled a completely different length to the West Indies. West Indies got the quick bowlers. I was intrigued to see how they were going to go against England. England's batsmen going to go against the quick bowlers. But they were never really threatening. Slow pitch. And I thought England's lengths were, were impeccable. You know, the, the challenge, the outside edge, the challenge, the area, the good area between coming forward or do you go back. But when the West Indies came out, it was either a short ball or a full ball and um, it, it was no comparison between the two seam attacks and that's why England have won so easy 
if we're if we're doing the pluses and minuses column, well, virtually the plus column is is full of everything. Mm. The only minuses you could say potentially are the two drop catches. Uh, Mark Wood will be disappointed with the one where he drops Chris Gale at third man, and Chris Wokes dropped Andre Russell at um, deep mid wicket. But in both cases, they actually cost what no more than twenty runs because England actually manages to uh, to remove both of those shortly after. So actually, they were only small minuses. The potential big minuses are Jason Roy and uh, Owen Morgan. Now, we just heard from Owen Morgan there. It is a back spasm for him. He said that he does get them. This this isn't something he hasn't had. Uh, that's you know not been a problem before, so he's it's sort of aware of it. In, it's age. Is it? I think so, yeah. If he's just got a back spasm, I think he'd be fine. There's not, not much of a worry. Um, Jason Roy concerns me a little bit more because when you get a hamstring injury, and he's just coming back for one. They tend to recur and recur. So that would concern me more than the captain. If the captain's saying it's just a back spasm, that comes with age a little bit. Cold air, cold weather. Um, he did a lot of running around in uh, in that innings. I was watching him. The you know, ball was going in the field out to Johnny Bairstow four or five times. And the reason why he did his back was what he was doing brilliantly. He was getting to the stumps. Johnny Bairstow feared like a demon out it uh, out on the boundary. And he was there ready for a run out. And I think every time bending and standing back up, you know, Owen's not getting any younger. It's probably just a little bit of a little bit of the old age as well as the cold has just seized his back up. So if that's all it is, I don't think there'll be too much to worry about. Jason Roy did worry me a little bit. Can you remember earlier on in the season batting for Surrey, he had a back spasm. Yeah, he did. And although he went off holding the hamstring, I just wonder if there's a little bit of a correlation there that if, if he's still maybe having an issue, maybe that problem in the back has now got into the hamstring. Now, with the game next up against Afghanistan on Tuesday... No point risking him you know, unduly at that stage. But also what it does give you, it gives you a chance to get James Vince into the team. While, while the bowlers have been rotated around, the batsmen haven't been really. So in some respects, it's actually not a bad opportunity to get one of your backup batsmen a game and, and some middle time, hopefully. Yeah, I think England have got a good chance now. The, the big game is on the 25th of June, 11 days from now. They play Australia. The next two games, they play th- Tuesday and Friday against Afghanistan and Sri Lanka it gives Vince a game to go in at the top I'd be surprised if Morgan has a game I think I'd give him that one off it gives you a chance like I mentioned before which which of the four seamers do you leave out Mo and Ali has to come back in eventually he's in our best one day side when we, tr- we play two spinners, we're a better side like that. We have to leave one of the seamers out. But for the next game, you could play Mo and Ali instead of Owen Morgan um, Stokes to four Butler to five Ali to six. We've seen how good Chris Wokes bats, so he can comfortably bat at seven. Um, there was a concern before Mark Wood that today's game, you potentially could give him a rest and bring Tom Curran in. And also, if you're going to do that, the way Rashid's not really been at the top of his game, it might be worth giving uh, Dawson a game as well. And then you're giving everybody in your squad a little run out before the back end of the tournament. So I don't see any point risking Roy or Morgan for the next two games, Afghanistan or Sri Lanka, because England's test, England's real test is going to come from Australia 
and into the rest of the tournament. They've beat three poor sides so far. They've getting beat off uh, an indifferent side and a poor side in Pakistan. But when they get to that Australia game, and then they've got New Zealand and India after that, then the semi-final potentially, then the final potentially, that's when you're going to need the full squad fully fit and firing. Uh, well, let's turn our attention to the West Indies. What looks as if it was going to be a, a tight, close game uh, first thing this morning was never going to be once they put 212 up on the board. Let's hear from Jason Holder, the West Indies captain, uh, speaking after the match with Sky Sports. Um, yeah, um, I don't think we put enough runs on the board. Um, we lost because at a crucial stage of the innings. And I guess a few careless shots like that. I just think going, going back into the game, you know, if we had hung in a little bit longer in our form of one or two more partnerships, you know, we could have gone a bit deeper. And who knows what we could have gotten in the end. You won't hide behind this, but conditions definitely changed. How important was that toss? I think the toss was a bit crucial. Um, you know, having said that, I still think we did a, a reasonable job to get through the power play. I think at 41 without loss. Uh, I think we lost the game in the middle of us at, at the end of the day. Um, our batters need, need to take a little bit more ownership in the middle, form a few more partnerships and go deeper. On a pitch like that, 50 overs becomes a long time, doesn't it? You just need to be a bit smarter in those middle overs. You're still playing a little bit in 2020 mode. Yeah, they said, you know, one or two killer shots, you know, I think batters got out at crucial stages, you know, when we needed to really dig deep and, and build a big partnership. Um, and I guess we've got to really correct it. It's happened twice in, in the last two games, and now we really need to, to look at it. How do you feel you went with the ball? Those tactics of the short stuff worked against Pakistan, but is it becoming a little bit predictable? I don't think so. You know, I just think we um, probably missed rhetoric in terms of the pace. You know, I think we didn't get the, the short balls high enough today and um, just a little bit erratic at times, you know. But having said that, you know, when you have 213 to defend, you know, you've got to look for wickets, you know. So I just asked the guys to express themselves and they work for us today. Another thing that's making it tough for you is the fitness of various players. They keep coming on and off the field, very hard to captain. You've got to get that side of your game right as well in a World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something we definitely have to look at. You know, we've been carrying around a few niggles in the dressing room, so. Um, yeah, we've got a, a few days before the next game against Bangladesh, um, another crucial game for us, so we've just got to get fit. Very easy when you find yourself in this situation to look back at the Australia game, what could have been, look back against the rained-off game here. It's important you keep looking ahead and believe you can still get through. Yeah, definitely. There's no point looking back. We can't control the past. You know, we've just got to control what we can definitely control, and that's the future. You know, we've got to tighten up in all three departments and play better cricket. Well, Steve Harmison, let's take a look at that West Indies performance. Um, Jason Holder was fairly polite about it there, but let's be absolutely honest. Batting, bowling and fielding, they were not on it in any basic part of the game today. No, I just looked as though... I think Andre Russell summed it up for me when he just... He bowled a bouncer, hit Johnny Bairstow in the head and then walked off the field. I just couldn't... I, honestly, I was looking at it and I couldn't stop laughing. I just thought, you sum the West Indies up. You don't want to be on the field. There's a few of you don't want to be on the field. Chris Gill got himself in, eight, nine balls, and then tried to get himself out. In the Chris Gill way, for the next 20-odd balls, 30 balls, he got a, a nicely made 36. But you could see what was going to happen the minute he started teeing off. It was an indifferent wicket. The wicket was sitting in. Puran batted beautifully. Hetemeyer hung around and looked because two young lads that wanted to impress, the rest didn't want to be out there, weren't interested in being there, too cold at Southampton, thinking it was going to rain, and I think their performance showed that. In the ball, very, very similar. I thought Gabriel bowled well, Thomas ran in, but the rest, I'm not sure they were, they were that convinced that they really wanted to be out at the Hampshire Bowl playing against the best team in the world.
Can I ask you about Chris Gale with the ball? Um, Chris Gale bowled one over with his cap on, mm. was going through his sort of comedy routine. That benefit gift? Pantom- pantomime kind of stuff. Now, it sort of amused the crowd and it got a few laughs, but actually in the dressing room, um, what would the coaching staff and the non-playing players be thinking of that? Because he almost, by doing that, he's almost admitting, we can't win this game. He's run a white flag up for me in many respects, and he's almost sort of trying to make a laugh and a joke out of the fact they're getting absolutely stuffed. Yeah, I think I think soon as Chris Gale come on to bowl, I think in his mind, he's thinking, well, we're not going to win anyway, so I'm going to have a bit of fun. What's the other players and what's the, the coaching staff thinking? I don't really think Chris Gale's that bothered, to be fair. And it did. It did look awful. It looked ordinary. But the West Indies looked awful and ordinary all day. So uh, I would have been disappointed if I was big Shannon Gabriel. I've ran in, bowled two, uh, seven overs, two for 49. And one of my premier players is treating the game like a benefit game, not taking it serious. But people will say, that's Chris Gale. For me, it doesn't wash like that. It's international cricket. You play the game to win. You play it as hard as you possibly can. And again, you've got the greatest showman like we did, the big boss in the West Indies. That's what you get with him. But sometimes it does let the game down a little bit. But each to their own. That's the way Chris wants to behave. Um, but I wouldn't be too happy if I was the win the West Indies camp with that. But I don't think it'll bother him. Well, it was interesting to note that he's gone past Viv Richards as the leading run scorer in one-day internationals between England and the West Indies today. Uh, Chris Gale, as a, as a result of the 36 that he made, mm. but he probably should have gone on and got an awful lot more. Harmy, while I've got you, I, I should mention there was a fantastic um, programme uh, on TalkSport this week, a special cricket programme, which involved your interview with uh, Robin Smith, the judge. Now, we're actually going to be putting that out as a special podcast, so if you didn't hear that during in the week don't worry it will be coming out as its own special podcast a fabulous 40 minutes um with uh, with robinson got to ask you about it it is obvious hero worship from from you you say in the, said in the interview that robin was one of your heroes and that definitely came through it was unbelievable um i knew he'd had troubled times um but not to the extent of of, of what he had and growing up in that sort of early 90s, late 80s, early 90s of my upbringing of 12 to sort of 16, watching the other Graham Hicks, the Bothams, they were, you know, and they played at Worcester, Robin Smith, Alex Stewart, that sort of era coming through and David Gowell and Lamb, they were the, the, the people that stood out most more than anything. And the way Robin Smith played against the West Indies, especially quick bowlers, um, and and that that square cut was was just it's just something that I grew up on and to get a chance first of all to to speak to him to read the extracts of his book I know what he he's been through not to that extent I, I had similar problems myself but leaving the game I don't think anybody leaves the game in a in a good way um, but obviously it was harrowing some of the stories that he did tell um, and I, the question I asked very very first was was it therapeutical writing the book because I felt when I wrote mine I thought some of the things and bringing back memories um, it was good for me to get it off my chest and talk again and he said that and he said it brilliantly and if, if you haven't heard it it's definitely well worth listening to not for not for me but for the way Robin speaks openly, honestly, about his life, his alcoholism, his marriage and his career. It was just fantastic. 
It was indeed. Harmi, thank you very much for that. Well, Joe Root's day today, definitely from an England point of view. Two for 27 with the ball, and he rounds it off with a nice red inker as well. 100 not out as England beat the West Indies uh, by eight wickets with 101 balls to spare. Lots of exciting matches still to come, though, from this uh, Cricket World Cup. For now, though, that is it from following on. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and join us tomorrow for your next instalment following the double header. It's Australia against Sri Lanka and South Africa taking on Afghanistan. Speak to you later. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.